All right, you ready? Yeah, man. Let's do it. What's up, gals and guys? Welcome to episode 56 of the What Makes Us Human podcast. Right here, stabbing himself in the eye with his glasses, is John Lindemann. And over there is J.R. Parks. J.R., what is going on, brother? Oh, not much. It's It's been a... It's been a pretty good weekend. Uh, not too busy. How about you? Yep. Good. Good. Uh, so let, let's start the podcast off with a story. All right. So story time with John. Hannah, will you make heart music for us? <laughs> All right. So you did well on your own. Oh, I did. I did well on my own, didn't I? Thank you. So on my way over here, I was. Uh, you know where the tennis courts are on Broad Street? Yep. All right. So I'm. You're coming from over there. Coming from my storage unit. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm moving along at about 39 and 35. And uh, just, you know, Sunday evening driving. It's Sunday right now, folks. In your world, it's Wednesday. But anyway, uh, just driving along. And this dude pulls right out in front of me. Um, and then he just, like, comes almost to a complete stop. And I got people coming up on me. You know what I mean? I'm like, holy smokes, bro. What is, what is your problem? Well, then he crosses the double yellow line and starts driving on the wrong side of the road. And there's a hill right there. And I'm like, oh, snap. Oh, wow. It's about to get real up in here, you know? So I back way off. And I'm at, I'm doing like one mile an hour because I'm like, I'm getting ready to see a, a bad wreck. And I'm going to be late for my podcast, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyway, <clears throat> so while I'm doing one mile an hour... Now, listen, folks, I'm doing one mile an hour. I have the, because of some something that happened once in my life, I have the, uh, where I saw something that was worse than this, I have the police emergency line on my, so I said that, I held down, I said, hey, Siri, call the police non-emergency number. Um, and it worked, and it called. And I get on the phone, and the guy's like, can I help you? And I said, yeah, uh, I'm coming down Broad Street past the tennis courts, and the homeboy is... There's a white guy with long hair who's slumped over. I think he's having a medical issue. He's on the wrong side of the road, and we're doing about four miles an hour. And uh, about the time I say that, the guy gets kind of slumps back up and starts driving halfway normal. And I'm like, all right, now we seem to be. This goes on for a good eight or nine minutes. Wow. We go down to Mulberry. We take a right. We're all over town. And I'm right behind him. I'm like, this is not good. you know. And I finally I asked the guy, I said, are y'all coming? <laughs> you know, or am I just gonna follow this guy all night? He said, "No, we're coming, we're coming." And uh, he said, "You don't have to stay with him if you don't want." Well, about that time, we get to the intersection downtown where Groucho's Deli is across the street on your left. Okay. He proceeds to go at a red light and almost t-bones the sheriff. Oh wow! Deputy. Nice. And I roll down my window and I'm like, "Dude, pull this dude over!" You know what I mean? And the guy cuts his lights on. Then he tells me, you go on. And I'm like, oh, I'm going on. So I tell the guy, I'm still on the phone. And I'm like, don't worry, the county picked this guy up. Well, as soon as I say that, the guy gets back in the road and takes off and keeps going. So he get, I get, and he's like doing four miles an hour. But then he tried to run from the in slow-mo. This would have been a great episode of some, well, that show's been canceled now. But anyway... So that was a, a nice, fun event. It was event. a slow speed chase. Slow that. speed chase, yeah. yeah. So he almost hit a guy on a bicycle, a lady walking a dog. Oh, no. And he almost hit um, a car. He ran uh, a stop sign and went down the one-way road the wrong way behind Mitchell College. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and there I had to bail and then pick him back up on the other side of Mitchell. 
So, yeah. Very, uh, you got to be safe out there, folks, because oh, people yeah. are on drugs. Mm-hmm. Driving. People are crazy. Yeah. So that's my opener for this topic, which has absolutely nothing to do with this topic. All right. But we're glad you're safe in here. Yep. So uh, on this topic, John, I realized that I've known you for no, a little more than 10 years, I guess. Really? Uh, wow. So you were like 12 when I met you? <laughs> I was 20 or 21. Oh, okay. And uh, and that's when you had your green spiked hair. Yeah. Green mohawk. No kidding, folks. I don't miss it. It was awesome. And uh, I, I don't know that I've ever really talked much about music with you. No, you haven't. So I don't know. How do you feel about music? How do you feel about popular music? How do you feel about music in general? <laughs> Um, I think modern music, S-U-X, okay. sucks. Um, in fact, I was in a hot tub yesterday. Me and my daughter, we do some dog watching. And she was like, hey, Dad, the pool is freezing, so we're in the hot tub. I said, okay. So uh, me and her and uh, my wife, Carrie, were in the little hot tub. And she's talking about music, and I said, name a, name a current band with an awesome album. And then I'll just let the silence hang. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's really hard to do, you know? No, Some I, of that may be that you don't buy an album anymore. Yeah. but So it's it's harder to maybe name that if you haven't even listened to the album. You have to you have to make some effort to go listen to an yeah, album by a band. Yeah. So I but, got a couple for you. Well, me and you. Okay, so me and our steamed producer, Hannah. Stop calling me a steamed. We, uh. <laughs> You're not powered by steam? No. You're powered by blood? Right now I'm powered by Bojangles and Sweet Tea. There you go. So uh, we like a lot of the same music we figured out. Yes. Yes. Like, uh, <laughs> I just threw a complete blank. <laughs> There's so many. Uh, you like Trampled by Turtles? Uh, yeah, a couple songs by them. Um, Mumford and Sons? Yes, Mumford and Sons. Okay. Uh, Sarah Jaros. Sarah Jaros. The Waylon Jennings. The Waylon Jennings. The Waylon Jennings. We've seen a concert together. That's the last thing we did before COVID. Yes, that was like the last, last thing. Yep. Um, Bold Riley. Oh, so good. Mm. Um, if you want a band that has just really good albums, multiple albums, I just start. I don't even put them on shuffle because you can't. Each song goes into the next song. Okay. The Oh Hellos. Oh, yeah. Okay. I love them. Okay. All right. So good. So the Lumineers? The Lumineers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't they? Is that Angela? Ophelia. 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 That's it. Yeah. yeah. Ophelia. Ophelia. Hey, that's a song I actually know. So you're a little bit, are you like Ulysses S. Grant in a way, Jared, who said, I know two songs, or I knew I only knew two songs. One was Yankee Doodle and the other wasn't. No, I, I, I like music. When it comes to, and when it comes to like what might be considered pop music, I like it if it was made a few decades ago. Hmm, okay, but I'm not going to turn on a top forty radio station today. Oh no! Um, you know, once in a while you might get a rock or alternative song make that list, and yeah. you know, it might be something I like. But for the most part, <laughs> I'm sorry. For the most part, when it comes to when it comes to, to pop music, I, I'm just not a fan. Now that does change if you're talking about what was pop music in the 50s, 60s, 70s. You know, I'm, I'm generally a fan of most of that. Yeah. Um, and I'm a fan of, of other genres outside of that, rock and, and not current country because it's also pop, uh, but other country and, and, and different 
um, variations, I guess. But I, I, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not a top forty person, at least with current top forty. So music. me and my boy got in his, I got in his car the other day to go somewhere with him, and uh, he cranks the the Highlander, and he has a green Highlander. You don't see a lot of those. And his name is Nigel. So shout out to the Green Highlander, Nigel. I love that. Yeah, but we got in Nigel, and he cranked Nigel, and um, Fleetwood Mac started playing. Yes. And I was like, Oh, okay, okay, okay. We we did something right here. Okay, so yeah. There's a funny thing that that streaming has has contributed, but I won't say streaming has done because I think to some extent it maybe existed before, but maybe streaming has has intensified. Is that if you think about the music that was made, say thirty years before you were born, the nineteen forty six. Okay. Uh, Whoa. Do you know any any bands or songs from nineteen forty six? You're not really fans of music from nineteen forty six. Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy. Oh. Did you just make that up? No. no. Boogie oh. Woogie Bugle Boy Company B. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good job, Hannah. You're welcome. That's why you're esteemed. <laughs> so, but by and large, you're not really, like, you're right, not a diehard yeah. fan of music from 30 years before right. you were born. Yeah. But see, now they but are. But now they are. Yeah, because and modern now music sucks. You, well, <laughs> now you can be. Yeah. Because of streaming and before that CDs and, and cassettes and, yeah. and all of that. Now, um, hold up that. Whoa. You could introduce I'm your... I'm pulling the string on this train, though. You could introduce your child to the music that you enjoyed. When my dad met my mother, they were at a... Sh- well, before I finish this story, Jared, announce our topic. We are talking... Now that we're 20 minutes in. <laughs> we're talking about the Universal Studios fire. Of... 2008. Eight. Ooh, that was a bad year all the way around. Yes, Dang. it was. Yeah, underwear was burnt front and back that year. So uh, when my dad met my mom, it was nine. I'm gonna butcher this. 1968 or 1970. It's around that time. Okay. Um, no way. That's not right. So they've been married nine years when they had me. So yeah. Okay. All right. 1967. Uh, <clears throat> when they met, my dad was in his buddy Mike's Carmen Gia. Okay. Sitting at a Shoney's. Okay. Off Independence Boulevard. This really speaks 1960s. In Charlotte. Okay. Oh, it gets better. Okay. And they had an upside down record player affixed in the dash, bottom of the dash of this Carmen Ghia. Oh, yeah. All right. Now, driving, it, it gave you a little bit of a fit, but you could sit in sure. the parking lot and attract the chicks with the 45s. So, but they had the same access you're saying Ty has now. Boom! I wonder. Look at that mic I just dropped rolling yeah, on the floor. Yeah, maybe maybe streaming has intensified that though. Yeah, it has it's exponentially. You don't even have to go to the record store or uh, yeah. whatever to get it. Yeah, you know? and I don't know what song it's was just, playing when they met. I'll have to ask. It's just instantly available to you on your phone or computer or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I actually think if you're an artist today, it's probably really hard to break into the scene because you're competing not only with the other artists. Currently on the radio, you're competing with 50 years of backlog. Now, have you heard of 50 Day- plus? Have you heard of Dayglo? I've not. So, <laughs> my son also listens to Dayglo. He's gonna kill me. But let's just add one more reason for why. Um, it's a kid in Texas 
Okay. And he just records his computer music out of his bedroom. Okay. He's just a kid in Texas. Sure. Yes. And it's pretty chill. Um, now, it kind of sounds like light up a doobie and get out some Cheetos and relax, you know. But it's pretty chill music. It's okay. nothing stressful. He's not making political statements. He's not telling Trump, to, you need to calm down, you know, all this stuff. Sure. But, uh, it's yeah. Kinda, it's kind of like Owl City. Oh, you know about Degla? Uh what you're describing. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it is. It's kind of yeah. like Owl yeah. City. Okay. It's yeah. more about the just chill vibes and... It's almost like a day at the beach. Yes. No clocks. Yeah. No you're, schedule. You're not having to think about what the song is about. It's right. just... You just chill. Yeah. Yeah. So now, but when I, when, I, when I get in the car and pop something in, it's going to be like Brad Paisley. Love Brad Paisley. The Vin... The acoustic version of Then will steal your soul. That is the best. The it's piano good. version of Then. It's good. It's so flipping good. Oh, my gosh. Usually when I want to annoy Hannah when we're riding somewhere, I put country music on. Like old country? No, I mean, oh. it could be no. anything. old country. Oh, okay. Like 70s, 80s, 90s country. Okay. Well, I love, well, the George Strait's number seven album is yeah, one of the all-time I mean, time best. it could be George Strait. It could be Kenny Chesney. It could be, you know. Seven Days by Kenny Chesney. Awesome song. It could be Clint Black. Mm-mm. Clint Black. Now, I can do a great Clint Black impersonation. All you got to do is put your molars together. Okay. And grin and then sing with your molars together. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like the rain. See? <laughs> I have fallen for you and I know just why. See? He doesn't open his mouth at so, all when he says. Yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much what I I enjoy. It, she doesn't, so you know it's that's amusing why, sometimes to play it when she's in the car. I used to be a huge Garth fan. Used to be. We well, ain't put nothing new out really that was any count. Yeah, I agree with that. Chris Gaines was. You don't have any real friends if they let you do Chris Gaines. <laughs> you said that before. Yeah. All right. So you're probably sounds like maybe similarly you're more of a fan of what was popular music. In earlier decades. When we were dating, me and my, my wife and I, Carrie, uh, we, we dated to, we held hands and looked at each other to 90s music, 90s country. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of brings back the memories. Well, the year? Now we're back at 2008, the year of the Universal Studios fire. Yeah. <laughs> so... We're going to reel this puppy in. I was shocked to see this started with some roof shingles. Yeah. On uh, on Sunday, June 1st, 2008. Right smack dab in one of the worst years ever. Early in the morning. Very I'm talking, early. yeah, like after midnight, so very early in the morning. The Universal Studios lot in California has, of course... The theme park. Oh, yeah, yeah. Universal. Yep. And <laughs> it has uh, some sound stages, some, you know, still currently used sound stages. Uh, the Back to the Future lot. It, yeah, mm-hmm. the, the the town scene from Back to the Future is there. And Gremlins, yep. Um, the lake that they filmed, that they used, that they built for Creature from the Black Lagoon awesome. is there, you know. Um, so if you're at the theme park, there's also, you know, kind of down the hill, there is active sound stages, you know, that yeah. they may use at any time. So all this is kind of all together. The theme park, the sound stages, the, the various other buildings related to that. And after midnight, some workers had been 
working on repairing some asphalt shingles on the what they call the New England Street New soundstage. England Street. Yep. So this is like right next to the King Kong ride. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew King Kong was in this somewhere. And they're using blow torches to kind of heat up the the roofing asphalt. And there's like protocol that they're supposed to follow and all this around. So fire watch. Yep. And so they follow it. They when they're done, they sit after they've cut the torches off. They sit in there for an hour to make sure. You know, no fires spring up. <laughs> to make sure something terrible doesn't happen. Yep. So they finished about 3 o'clock. And they hung out to about 4 o'clock to make sure there weren't any problems. And they left. They followed protocol and they left. Went and had breakfast. At 4.43 a.m., a security guard in the movie studio saw flames rising from a rooftop in this New England street set. So, you know, in spite of them following their protocol and everything, the, a hot spot ignited. On asphalt shingles. Yep. And it, I mean, it just kind of started to tear through everything. So, so asphalt shingles, asphalt itself is not going to burn, but I guess on a shingle. I mean, asphalt will burn, tar will burn, roofing tar will burn. Yeah, but I mean, but there's a difference in burn and like gasoline. Yeah. Yeah. I guess this, it, the burn, the slow burn combined with the shingle, I guess. Um, I kind of wondered if it was, and I didn't really get any any explanation, but I kind of wondered if it was, these are movie sets, so probably made with kind of the cheapest, lightest materials. Uh, They're not up to code in the sense of okay. like how you build a house or something. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, message received. All right. Takes off. Yeah. This fire just engulfed this streetscape. It also burned two sides of Courthouse Square, the Back to the Future set that That's you referenced. So sad. Marty! <laughs> it's on fire! And it quickly runs into the King Kong, the, the huge building that houses the King Kong encounter, mm. the ride. So that's where the actual ride is. Yes. Oh, wow. You know, that's, you know, what is it, like a 40-foot tall, or I guess what was it? A 40-foot tall King Kong, animatronic King Kong. At the time it was built, it was one of the largest animatronic... Uh, Primates? Uh, animatronic. Primates. <laughs> animatronics. It was one of the largest animatronics. On Earth. You know, yeah, on Earth. Yeah. And, you know, it was super realistic, like the, the its breath smelled of bananas, you know, when it would scream at the ride goers yeah like they went all out for this thing that's awesome and this ride catches this thing catches fire the building that this rides in so it's just spreading everywhere eventually up to uh, i think i saw 12 different fire uh departments including their on-site fire team all respond yeah i saw the on-site fire team respond and it was like uh we're going to need more men like the Alamo. <laughs> yeah. going to need a bigger boat. And, uh, but they were, they were plagued with some problems with water pressure. They weren't getting the water they needed. Um, the sprinkler system wasn't working the way it was supposed to. Ooh. And it's just spreading. Not good. So they're doing everything they can to contain it, but it's just essentially jumping from building to building. Mm-hmm. In like a fake city. It's just odd. Yeah, and now into the theme park side. Yeah. And next to the King Kong ride 
is a two is a twenty two thousand three hundred twenty square foot warehouse known as Building Six One Nine Seven. Building Six One Nine Seven. Building Six One Nine Seven was was uh, kind of referred to as the Video Vault. So it's a big warehouse where they store film, completed films. Original. Yeah. Okay. To some extent, yeah. And, and like if a if a uh, film, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, they had one in downtown Statesville a while back. A film uh, festival. Film festival. Wants a clip from a movie or wants a particular movie or whatever, they can go request it from you know this place. So it's a lot of the stuff that you know kind of falls under Universal's their movies and their shows and things that have been shot over the years. But that was really only about two thirds of the contents of this building. The other third was leased by Universal Music Group. Folks, this is why our discussion a minute ago about music. We have to uh, we have to get into a little bit about who Universal Music Group is. Okay. So, when you were a kid in the seventies, eighties, you were born in the seventies, right? Seventy six. Okay. Yeah. So when you were born, and really up until the nineties, going into two thousands, there were hundreds of. Recording labels, sorry. Oh, yeah, okay. There were hundreds of recording labels. You think about all all the, you know, some of the big ones. You've got, you know, Sun Records. You've got Chess. Death you've Row. Got, yeah. <laughs> so in the 90s and early 2000s, they all start buying each other up. And they all start... Consolidating. Yes, there's the word. I cannot think tonight. I'm sorry. It's all right. To the point where now... You essentially have, and this is not the only ones that exist, but you basically have three record labels. You have Sony BMG. Okay. I remember BMG because you could sign up and get the four CDs a week or whatever. For, oh, like a Columbia House thing? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. I got a lot of Shania Twain. <laughs> she was hot. So you had Sony BMG. You have, uh, you have Warner. Okay, Warner. Warner Music Group, Tom Warner, you know. Whatever I think they maybe they just go by Warner Music Group now. And is the let me guess is the third one Capital? Third one is Universal. Oh, the, oh okay. Universal Music Group UMG, and UMG is bigger. Like UMG is twice as big as its closest competitor. That's how many of these oh. other companies they've absorbed. It's over like Coca Cola to Pepsi. Yeah. Yeah. In in the early two thousands. Universal, which you know encompassed the movie uh, studio, the theme parks, the music label, all this stuff. Universal gets bought by General Electric. Ah, okay. And General Electric decides that Universal Music Group is worth more to sell than to keep under their umbrella. Okay. GE, we bring good things to life. <laughs> So they take and they spin off Universal Music Group and they sell it to a French conglomerate called Vivendi. Called who? Vivendi. 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 And much like it's weird that GE owns Universal, 
It's kind of weird that Vivendi owns Universal Music Group. They, they own a, a record label, much less the biggest record label by far. I've never world. even heard of this Vivendi. Vivendi owns some other media companies and things in, in France and in Europe. And probably Canada. But they're also a municipal water supplier. Like, you know, it, oh, much okay. in the same way that, like, it's weird that GE owns this. It's weird that Vivendi owns Universal Music. Because huh, so they also own Waterworks. Kind of what they started out doing has nothing to do with owning Universal Music. Okay. So Vivendi owns Universal Music Group, UMG, and it's separate from Universal. But because of kind of how things were set up prior to the split, Universal Music Group is now renting about a third of this warehouse space from Universal. Yeah. And they are storing, and this is where, and this was from prior when Universal owned them, too. They stored master tapes for artists from all these different record labels that they had bought up and from Universal um, Universal's own cat, um, catalog. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about masters. When we say master tapes, are you familiar? So this is the like the original, right? The original recording. This is the original that studio. That they were happy with, happy enough with to It's actually just it's actually a step prior to that. Oh, okay, a little raw. So yeah, you can have kind of the the completed master, which is usually which usually matches what was released, you know, in on vinyl or CD or whatever it was yeah. released in. But you can also have the the tapes prior to that where you have, you know, if it's a four-track tape, you've got a track of guitar and a track of percussion and a track of uh, vocals, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. know, and all that gets mixed down yeah. into the nowadays, kind of session master. Because nowadays when they record a song, each each they don't all sit down together and record, right? They each instrument records separate. Is that not right? I mean, it depends. Okay. I think every every band kind of does things a little differently. Okay. But even if even if they're all sitting in the same room, it's recorded in such a way that you can pull and you can raise the sound of the guitar, right, or yeah. you can raise the percussion, or you can pull back this or whatever. Uh, you have that level of control. Yeah. And and part of this is that since the dawn of audio technology that we think of recording has always had a much higher fidelity than playback the technology has always been so much better for capturing than for playing back okay so on these masters you have a lot more than what you have in the final product oh all right and it's it's really a technology thing, but also somewhat it, it can also be a decision of the person mixing it. They can decide we want to pull back the symbols here or you know whatever. Yeah. But the this is why they go back and remaster uh, re- popular records from you know decades ago. So just a few years ago, they released a remastered version of the Beatles' "Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band." Yeah. The album I, with five hundred people on the front. I know, yeah, I know you're familiar. I know you're familiar with the album. Have you listened to the album? Uh, a little. Okay. Have you listened to the remaster? Uh. Uh-uh. Okay. That's a no. I said I, I, people could hear that. No. Okay. So that's probably the most famous example. This is something that happens quite frequently, but that's probably the most famous example because obviously it's the Beatles, 
and their impact on culture is is, ma- is massive. Yeah. Music to haircuts. But it's also significant because it is very noticeable. The difference is very noticeable. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, I, I really enjoy, I was listening to it this past week, I really enjoy the remastered version of Sgt. Pepper's, that whole album. And it really, to me, it's more of a rock and roll album than their original. Okay. Than their original release. Like heavier drums and stuff? It's just the overall sound. Okay. You know, the Beatles, the Beatles got kind of weird there. There's no other way to say it. Yeah. Um, and this, it's just, as someone who's a fan of, of rock, this it sounds better to me. But Didn't they have an album that was, the album cover was uh, baby doll parts and pieces of meat, and only so many were made, and then they made them redo the album cover? Uh, I think that might have been the White Album. That's, that's right. Why, that's I, I why it's the right. White yeah. Album. Yeah, okay. Because they just released a white cover that said the Beatles on it. Yeah, because it was too controversial, the baby doll parts. It looked like body parts from baby dolls yeah. and pieces of meat laying around. Yeah. they got That was weird. Yeah. Well, you know, drugs. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, that's just, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's an easy-to-pick example. But this is something that happens quite frequently. Yeah. Especially when you're talking about big artists. Like George Strait. Uh, they probably remastered some George Strait. <laughs> yeah, I don't they know. Probably did. But so you have that when we're talking about the masters that are that are here. You also have a lot of unreleased stuff in this building. In this building, yeah. So you have um, one of the example. One of the one of the things that came up was I think uh, recordings from when Aretha Franklin was a teenager. Um, Way back. And, yeah, so the, the these masters go all the way back in the 1940s because of kind of the different labels that Universal had bought up. Okay. And so you might have completely unreleased stuff from Frank Sinatra. Chuck Berry. Or Chuck Berry. Or, you know, name a popular artist from the last 80 years, and there's uh, a decent chance. there's Their masters were there. Or and we're gonna get into a little more. I'm gonna read off a list here in a bit. It's gonna be sad. But yeah, this this story does make me very sad. But you know, you could hear stuff that has never been heard essentially outside of the studio until to, until this fateful day. So a third of this warehouse space was full of this stuff, mm. and this wasn't the only one that Universal Music Group had. There was one in Pennsylvania as well. But there's a significant amount of masters and unreleased masters in this building. And it catches fire. And this fire on the Universal lot rages. It basically takes them 24 hours. What? To put the fire out. Okay, so for our listeners, I told Jared I wasn't going to do a whole lot on this because I wanted to learn along with the... I did not know that. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Oh, King Kong's in the... He's freaking out in the corner. Yeah, they, they start drafting the water out of the lake for the creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> that's not enough. They start you know dumping fire suppressant foam on it. That's not enough. Oh, man. Finally, they bring in heavy equipment and just start trying to knock down the walls and, and smother this thing. You have an influx of, like, an overabundance of fuel yeah. for it, so it's just going to keep going wow. and going and going. So at some point early that morning, an insurance agent's home phone rang, and he was like, do what? <laughs> so 
Somebody's phone did ring, and it was the president, Randy Aronson, a fifty-year-old man who lived nearby. Randy. Randy Aronson. And Randy, Randy's job was essentially archiving this stuff. He worked for UMG, not for Universal. Oh, his job just got a lot easier. He is the. He's really the only guy who has any clue what's in this part of the building mm. and even he you know even they're still even they, they were still working on trying to catalog what's there you know wow. they didn't know so he gets a phone call and he gets down there and and i mean he's just blown away at the amount of culture alone that's lost yeah i mean sure monetary value and other things but the amount of culture that's lost especially americana and universal music group Kind of downplays it. Hmm. Universal Music Group says uh, there was no. So there was an article run the next day in maybe Deadspin, I think, where this reporter starts calling out, "Hey, there was there's some major losses to American music that happened in this fire. It wasn't just a video vault. There was a lot of audio masters here, and they're gone." And Universal kind of suppressed it. Like, they got all their other reporters, Rolling Stone and New York Times and other places, to put out statements from them that everything that was in there, they had moved most of the stuff out of there, but everything that was in there, they had backups, masters somewhere else. Not true. It wasn't lost, is their claim. And the only reason, really, why we know different now is in 2018, so 10 years after. The New York Times kind of picks this thread up and begins to talk about what was lost. Ah. And the reason why they know is because while Universal Music Group is telling the public nothing was lost, Universal Music Group, Vivandi, is suing Universal, their landlord, for the fire. Okay. So in the court documents, we have them talking about everything that was lost. Oh, all right. Truth comes out. And the out. hundreds of millions of dollars of potential profit and all the, you know, everything that was lost in this fire. Unrealized gains lost. Yep. Yeah. To use Joe Biden's term. <laughs> and it really is because, I mean, for the longest time in the music world, the these masters were just a waste of space. That's kind of how the labels viewed them. You know, they had to store them because in, in typical music uh, contracts, the record label maintains the master. They own the master. The artist does not own the master. Oh. So. But they're also not making money off of it, really. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. a waste of space to them. And even when, you know, CDs came out, and they, you know, had an excuse to go make, you know, everything they made in records or tapes they could now make in CDs. They usually didn't go back and remaster. They just took the audio files they had from records or, or tapes, uh, cassette tapes, and, you know, made CDs. And, you know, when it went digital, it's MP3s. You already have MP3s for CDs. It's, you know, now streaming services. It's MP3 quality. And so every time a copy is made... There's some loss of quality. Right, it has to be. Yeah. And we've already talked about how there's automatically loss of quality because of the technology. So in a lot of cases, what you have in streaming or in CDs is a copy of a copy of a copy, 
And that's what you're listening to. Interesting. Unless they go back to the masters. And remaster it. Yep. You're not getting everything. Huh. Okay. And even still, you're not going to get everything just because there's a loss of quality. Now, record's completely different, right? Because that's a, a record is almost a mechanical way of... There's still a loss in records. Records can certainly a rec- have a If there's much- anything that's scratchy and bumpy sounding, which sounds good with a lot of music, that's why vinyl's really making a comeback, but record's a little bit different because it's more mechanical, right, with that needle on the wax. A record is able to get more quality, sound quality out than, say, an MP3 file on a CD or in streaming. Oh, really? But, huh. yeah, that's why vinyl's popular. Oh, again. okay. But... It's still, you're still losing something from the master. Yeah, okay. So, some of the estimates that came out in the court documents, UMG estimated that the number of assets destroyed was 118,230. Wow. That would be number of, of, of tapes, master tapes. That's a lot of Billy Joel. Uh, and Randy... Aronson considers that estimate low. He says it's probably more like 175,000. Wow. So if you kind of look at either figure and you figure, you know, what, 10 songs per album or something like yeah. that, yeah. You know, you're easily getting into 500,000 songs or more. I mean, you could be into a million, couple million songs lost. Wow. They valued, in their lawsuit, they valued the loss of tape and loss of artistry at $150 million. But truthfully, when you think about the Americana value, it's really priceless. You know, if you have unreleased stuff from the early days of insert artist here, who later became popular, how do you replace it? You can't replace it. Right. But I can see the, the counter, the devil's advocate counter argument being, but if we didn't know it existed, the song existed... Of course, it had potential impact, though. Yeah, yeah, okay. and, and 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 at the same time, this also includes masters of stuff we do know exists that can now never be remastered. You know, these yeah, it includes yeah. release stuff. So yeah. the unreleased stuff is just a bonus on top of that right. we can't even really quantify. Dang, I'm going to list off a bunch of artists here who either had their entirety of their masters catalog Ooh. or parts. Unreleased stuff, early stuff. Now, were there countersuits from the artists? Or can they not do it since they didn't own the master? There's, There has been some discussion around that. They've done a pretty good... In, in kind of keeping this story quiet for a decade, <laughs> Yeah, they kind of avoided a lot of that. I mean, not to say an artist couldn't come back and right. and, and sue, but I guess my guess is it would be a difficult suit because the artist doesn't own it. Right, okay. So, all right. So, some of these artists, and keep in mind, these are these are from labels like Decca and Chess and, you know, all these major labels from the 20th century. Louis Armstrong. Ooh. Duke Ellington. Al Jolson. Bing Crosby. Ella Fitzgerald. Mm. Judy Garland. Mm. Billie Holiday. Louis Jordan and his Timpani Five. Okay, that one I hadn't heard of. Patsy Cline. Ooh. Chuck Berry. Oh. All of his chess masters. Really? Oh, man. 
Muddy Waters. Oh, Howlin Muddy Wolf. Waters. Howlin' Wolf. Oh. Willie Dixon. Mm. Bo Diddley. Bo Diddley. Etta James. John Lee Hooker. Oh, oh, John Lee Hooker, really? Did he lose all of his masters? Uh, the stuff that was on chess, I believe he later oh. signed a different label. The bluest man to ever sing the blues. Buddy Guy. Mm. Little Walter. And those... Uh, early master tapes of, of Aretha Franklin as a teenager. Okay. We talked about unreleased stuff. I'm still reeling from John Lee Hooker. Virtually all of Buddy Holly's masters were lost. Wow. John Coltrane. Ellington. Count Bassey. Coleman Hawkins. Dizzy Gillespie. Ooh, Dizzy Gillespie. Max Roach. Art Blankley. Sonny Rollins. Charles Mingus. Ornette Coleman, Alice Col- Coltrane, Sun Ra, Albert Eiler, Pharaoh Sanders, and a bunch of other jazz artists. Billy Bill Haley and his comments, mm-hmm. including Rockin' Around the Clock. Oh, oh man, that's so sad. Jackie Brinston and his Delta Cats. Bo Diddley. The Kingsman. The Kingsman. Uh, on... on Another label, Benny Goodman, Cab Calloway, mm. the Andrews Sisters, the Ink Spots, the Mills Brothers. The Ink Spots, it makes me like a bunch of squids singing. <laughs> and Mosh Pit starts and there's Ink Spots. Lionel Hampton, Ray Charles. Oh, Ray Charles. Sister Rosetta Tharp, Claire Ward, Sammy Davis Jr., mm. Les Paul. Les Paul. Fats Domino. Oh, golly. Big Mama Thornton. Big Mama. Burl Ives. The Burl Weaver. Ives, Burl really? Ives. Oh. The Weavers. Kitty Wells. Ernest Tubb. Lefty Frizzell. Wow. Loretta Lynn. George Jones. The Possum. Merle Haggard. Mm. Bobby Blue Bland. B.B. King. Oh, really? Ike oh. Turner. The Four Tops. Quincy Jones. This is horrible. Yep. Burt Baccarat. Mm. Joe. Joan Baez. Neil Diamond. Sonny and Cher. Neil Diamond. Sonny and Cher. The Moms and the Papas. Joni Mitchell. Is that, wait, wait, wait. That's, no, I'm thinking of ABBA. There's a music. Mama Mia. ABBA did all the music for Mama oh, Mia. Okay. I was thinking of ABBA. Okay. Uh, Captain Beefheart. Captain what? Beefheart. Beefheart? Yeah. Okay. The same thing. Cat Stevens, The Carpenters. Oh, I love, uh, I done forgot her first name now, the the Carpenter sister. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just sweet voice. Woo. Gladys Knight and the Pips. Mm. Al Green. The Flying Burrito Brothers. The Flying Burrito? <laughs> Whoa, hold up. We can't say it's a band name. It's already a band oh, name. Oh, the Flying Burrito <laughs> Brothers. That sounds like what happens to me when I eat Mexican and Italian in the same night. <laughs> Elton John. Oh, really? Leonard the moodiest Sch- singer on earth. Leonard Skinner. Leonard Skinner. Eric Clapton. Mm. Jimmy Buffett. Oh, A1A. The Eagles. Don Henley. Oh. Aerosmith. Steely Dan. Iggy Pop. Rufus and Chaka Khan. Wow. Barry White. Patty LaBelle. Very white, that thing you do. Yoko Ono, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, 
Is the, anybody really sad about Yoko Ono's music? Probably not. Okay. The Police, Sting, George Strait. I love Ten Summoner's Tales. That's a great album. George Strait. Oh, George Strait's in on this? Oh. Steve Earle, R.E.M., Janet Jackson, Eric B. and Rockham. Is Janet Jackson the one that had the yeah. Super Bowl accident? Yeah. Okay. New Edition, Bobby Brown, Guns N' Roses. Bobby Brown. Queen Latifah. Did Mary you J. say Blige. Guns N' Roses? I did. Oh, Mary J. Blige, Sonic Youth, No Doubt, Nine Inch Nails, Snoop Dogg, Nirvana. I hold up, hold up, Snoop Dogg. Sad day, man. Sad day. So this definitely gets into you know more recent stuff. Him and Martha Stewart sitting there holding hands, crying. Nirvana, Soundgarden, Hole, Beck, Cheryl Crow, Tupac, Eminem, Fifty Cent, and The Roots. Golly! In addition to some other more recent from ones, George Jones to Tupac, I'm telling yep. you, including Drake and Taylor Swift and Ariana Grande, more recent artists. Everybody took a hit. Wow. So yeah, you saw that in 2018, and a lot of times it didn't happen until the New York Times article came out in 2018. That all these artists came out and tweeted stuff like, "Hey, uh, yeah, we think all our masters were gone." Yeah, man. They really they did a good job of downplaying it for a decade. Man. And their loss, their own lawsuit, kind of, kind of got, got the better of them there. But but you know who I bet made the best out of this because he's very positive. He's a very positive, inspirational thinker. Snoop Dogg. <laughs> I'm serious, man. He is positive. He, so, he's the one that says, you know, muffins spelled backwards is what you do when you take them out of the oven. You sniff them. <laughs> I love Snoop Dogg. I'll listen to his music, but he's very inspirational. He's always smiling. All right. Yeah. There's a reason for that. Yeah, there's a reason for that. So, in some cases, it's not like the stuff is gone. Like the music, it's like the songs are gone. Because, I mean, you still have Goodbye Yellow Brick Road from Elton John. You can still go listen to that. Yeah. You have it in your heart and your head. But the masters are gone. Yeah, in your ears. But the masters are gone. The masters, bow, wow, wow, yippee, oh, yippee, are gone. It cannot, so it cannot be remastered. There's no chance of going back and pulling more out of the masters. And even if you get the old gang back together, it's still not the same. So we're left with a copy of a copy yeah. of a copy. Yeah, it's kind of like and America lost its canon of scripture. You know what I mean? Because culturally, yeah, yeah. I mean, for the culture, this is kind of the religion. You know? Yeah. yeah. And 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 yeah. In some cases, countless amounts of unreleased. You know, studio recordings. Wow. So, yeah, it's it really is. It's sad, like the the volume of of what was lost there. So poor George Strait. I love some old George Strait, man. Just good stuff. I know a lot of people are not big into older country, but uh, I like old George Strait. Really good stuff. So he had some good stuff. Yeah. He uh. He also had some uh, like the fifty number ones, the two two disc set. Yeah, there were a lot of songs. I guess because of, maybe because of my age, there were a lot of songs on there that I I wasn't familiar with. Oh, really? Okay. Um, and in some cases, didn't particularly care for. But you know, obviously, there's a lot of other stuff on there. So it kind of, it kind of surprised me a little bit. I was like, wait, this was a number one song? I've never heard of this. You yeah. Know? But unwound. That's his first one. Yeah. So yeah, that that is the Universal Studios fire. All right, now, Jared, pick out your favorite one that was lost and sing it for us. 
I do not sing. <laughs> I do not sing. We do not want people to stop listening. Okay. All right. So when the, okay about the Diana song, did he write that for the funeral or had he already? I guess he had to have right. I mean, it had to be after she died. Okay, that's a dumb question. Okay, all right. I thought I'd heard it in an interview at some point. For who? Diana. Wait. He rewrote that for for uh, Princess Di, didn't he? Oh, I have no idea. I have no idea. I think I was like four when that funeral happened. That's something we'll have to look up. I think he changed some of the um, lyrics for that for her funeral, maybe. Now, I could be completely off on that. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. But... I thought I thought you were asking if you wrote that. Originally, it was Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, I thought you were asking if you wrote that after Marilyn Monroe yeah. died. And I was like, well, yeah, he had to have. Yeah. But he, he had to write it after she died. But. All right, so, Jared, if you had to pick your favorite music artist today, who would it be? Oh, wow. So, while you think, he performed a rewritten, rewritten version of the song Candle in the Wind as a tribute to Diana. Yes! I was right! Um... But according to a December 30th, 2021 article, just I'm looking at the blurb, um, it was not the original choice to be sung by him. I don't know if that was, it wasn't. They were friends. They requested him to do that. He wanted to sing a different song. That's kind of what it sounds like. Uh, so my parents had just gotten a new television, and I asked, is there any way I could put the old TV in my room and live like a king and have a TV in my bedroom? And they said, sure. And I was like, yes! And so I mustered all my strength and hoisted that sucker up to, because it was a tube TV, up to upstairs to my bedroom. And I hadn't had it a week. And one night I was doing my homework, and they were like, breaking news coming out of somewhere and uh, out of somewhere. And she had been in that wreck with that fella mm-hmm. and died. Yeah, that's, I, so I remember that being on TV. So they wanted him to do a rewritten version of your song to be our song. But instead, he redid Candle in the Wind. Oh, okay. And that was his choice. He tweaked it a little. He tweaked it a little bit. Yeah. Okay. From what I just skimmed. Yeah. Wow. I think that's one of my favorite Elton John songs. Huh. I don't know if I have a favorite Elton John song. Between that and Rocket Man. Uh, I like Rocket Man. All right, Jared, time's it's up. It's hard to pick one, man. What I, you got? I, it, it's really hard to pick one. I don't know. I mean, I can almost pick one per genre, and even that would be difficult. Really? Um, I don't know, man. Wow. That's a hard request. Okay. Right. What about you? You must have an answer. Um, yeah, that is hard. I love them by Brad Paisley. I'll just say that because it, it popped out earlier. That's one of my all-time favorites. It's just a good soulful. Um, the River by Garth. I love The River. Oh, you're picking songs. Yeah. I thought you said artist. No. Oh, okay. Song may even be harder than artist. I was going to say, if you struggle with artists, yeah. you're going to really struggle with a song. Yeah. Yeah. So, Well, quite the insurance debacle, I'm sure. The Universal Fire. I had heard of this, but I didn't really. Uh... So is this in L.A.? Yes. Burbank? Burbank or something? There is a large, really freaky looking bug walking across the carpet. I don't do bugs. Where is Oh, I see it. Oh, it's gone. 
our esteemed producer Hannah just smashed it. I'm the buggernator. See if she can manage to get back under the table without bumping the microphone. She did it. Success. Uh, so the Universal Studio lot, that would be in Burbank, wouldn't it? That's where Jay Leno used to do his show from. Burbank. Must be. Yeah. I think that's right. It's, it's like one of those, like, L.A. Burbank. Universal City, California. Oh, okay. That's interesting. They have their own city. Maybe it's like the Disney World thing they're going through in Florida right now. They had the, some breaks because of all the yeah. money bringing in. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Um, Hannah is wearing a shirt, listeners, is, that says Poe's Tavern. It is awesome. kind of north of Hollywood and west of Burbank. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever been to California? I've not. I've been to uh, been to California, been to uh, San Diego, and then on to the Pacific. And my uncle Doug let me. I said I got to stick my feet in the Pacific, and he said, "Oh," and he pulled over, and we went and stuck our feet in the Pacific, and he said, "You're good." I said, "Yeah." We got back in the car. Yeah. Well, that was good. Yep. Anything else? I think uh, I'm, I learned an awful lot. If you if you're gonna be on fire watch, you might want to add an extra 45 minutes. <laughs> really is crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yep. So that's a good one. So I've got next week. You got next week. Okay. All right. So we did what? What was last week? Bigfoot. Bigfoot. And then this week is totally different. Universal uh, Studios fire. Next week. Tune in. But before you tune in, next week, like, rate, and subscribe. Absolutely. And you can find us on social media at WMUH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. You can email us, WMUHpodcast at gmail.com. Email us your favorite artist or your favorite song. song. Okay. And if you perform, send us a copy of you singing your favorite song. All right. I got a buddy named Russell who lives about an hour away who does a lot of live music. Okay. Should have had him visit. He could have brought a lot of info to this one. So maybe one day he'll, he'll tune in and hear this. All right, folks. We'll see you next week. All right. Later, peeps.